Good day and welcome to Theology in the Dirt. We want to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. We record Theology in the Dirt from Global Impact Restoration Room, where we work to address the foster care and adoption crisis in Northwest Georgia, Southeast in the world, we practice our theology in the public square. You can check out Restoration Rome by going to restorationrome.org. My name is Mitchell Jolly. And I'm Chris Hayes. How about we get ourselves to some headlines? Chris, President Joe Biden is meeting with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol, today at Camp David. The first time since 2015, the president has received world leaders at the Maryland retreat. The trilateral summit is indicative of the warming relations between Tokyo and Seoul, united against the shared threats of China and North Korea. The leaders are expected to announce increased intelligence sharing about threats like North Korean missiles and established three-way crisis hotline, as well as regular joint military exercises. And next, the Biden administration has approved the transfer of training materials for F-16 fighter jets to Denmark so Ukrainian pilots can train on the American jets. The administration also gave assurance to Denmark and the Netherlands that the U.S. will expedite approval of the transfer of the jets themselves to Ukraine. However, Kiev does not expect them to arrive in time to aid in the current counteroffensive, which according to U.S. intelligence obtained by the Washington Post will likely fail to meet its objective of reaching the southeastern city of Melitopol, I think I pronounced that correctly, and thus severing Russia's land bridge to Crimea. Next, prosecutors charged a Texas woman with threatening to kill the judge overseeing the special counsel Jack Smith's case against former President Donald Trump regarding efforts to overturn the 2020 election. The woman called Judge Tanya Chutkin's chambers and left a voicemail threatening to, threatening to kill her if Trump isn't reelected, according to the criminal complaint. The caller also threatened to kill Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, all Democrats in D.C., and all people in the LGBTQ community. Meanwhile, the Fulton County Sheriff's Office said Thursday, it was investigating online threats made against some of the grand jurors who voted to indict former President Trump and 18 co-defendants earlier this week in Georgia. The names of all the grand jurors were released as part of the 98-page indictment, as is required by Georgia law. And in most states and in the federal system, grand jurors remain anonymous, but not in Georgia. And then finally, wildfires in Canada's Northwest Territories have prompted the evacuation of Yellowknife, the province's capital in recent days, with authorities ordering 20,000 residents to leave their homes by Friday. Most of Canada's 1,000 wildfires, there are 1,000 of them, are burning out of control, and smoke from the blaze uh, has once again threatened the blanket region, stretching from the Midwest to New York with poor air quality this weekend. We've had some of that this summer down here as yeah. winds have shifted from the Canadian wildfires. So those are our headlines for me today from The Dispatch. Well, in honor of our main topic today, I figured we'd go in the sports direction this morning and give an update on a couple of our favorite local teams. Love it. Um, it's important to mention the Braves, that they have the best team in baseball right now with a month and a half to go in the regular season. Yes, they're on pace to set the major league record for most homers by a team in a season, highest slugging percentage, weighted runs created plus, and several other offensive records as they're just pounding everyone. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., the leading candidate for MVP, he's just a few homers and stolen bases away from becoming the first player in history to have 30-plus homers and 60-plus stolen bases Amazing. in a season. Still hoping for 40-40, but we'll see. 
Uh, he's also on pace to set three or four Braves franchise records this year. So is Matt Olson, who currently leads all of baseball in home runs and RBI. The only Brave to ever do that in a season is Hank Aaron. That's awesome. <laughs> so good company there. Um, Hank Aaron, um, I think he did that twice. But wow. uh, Olson's on pace to set the all-time Braves franchise record for most homers wow. and RBI as well this season. So a lot to watch the rest of the way. Uh, hopefully they can finish up in good fashion in October and into November. Uh, But speaking of history, the Georgia Bulldogs are set to begin their season in a couple of weeks. They're number one in both the AP and coaches preseason polls. They're looking to try to win a third straight national championship, which has only officially happened one other time in NCAA history when the University of Minnesota, of all places, Golden Gophers, accomplished that in 1934, 35, and 36. Pre-World War II. Yes. Now, granted, they only played eight games. Okay. Went undefeated in two of those and seven and one the other, and then they were just claimed national championships by Associated Press. Right. Um, And then Army claims three consecutive national championships, though the AP only acknowledges the first two in 1944 and 1945 because in 1946 the title was later selected by six different organizations, kind of like choosing that. So it wasn't the – Officially, okay, then, but we'll give it. But who's going to argue with Army? Right, <laughs> like, they're they're literally putting officers in warfare. So we'll just, we'll yeah. just say that we'll, we'll give Army credit there. Yeah, but uh, now granted, the you know Georgia's twenty nine and one in their last two seasons, playing fifteen games in both, including the college football playoffs. So a little bit different era. So yeah. I think it's more impressive. Very much so. Um, so we'll see. They're the favorites right now, and schedule's pretty easy. But it's. Yeah. Sports, it's football. You never know what can happen. So. You never know what can happen. And those young men, uh, that team has done nothing yet. Correct. That team has won nothing. And Kirby reminds them of that often. That's right. Just because you won last year, you graduated and lost a lot of people, that team still has to figure out how to win games. So. Yeah. And there's still still doubters, and I'm sure right. those are posted yeah. on the walls. And, and they're all very good. They just got to learn to win. Should be a fun season. It should be a fun season. That's pretty awesome. Well, guys, uh, it's time for us to get to the main event. Gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Let's rock indeed. So today, uh, one of our more prolific um, engagers is really good at suggesting topics and talk to talks to us regularly about ideas. And uh, and and this young man suggested competition. Yeah. So uh, so we are going to talk about competition today. Mm-hmm. Um, we have talked about sports and t- competition some in the past on theology and dirt, and uh, it's going all the way back to wow a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and so. Um, uh, we talked about kind of a Christian, the Christian place uh, for sports and how to approach sports in a Christian manner, because we do have a comprehensive worldview. Right. Um, um, the Bible teaches us that there is the God, the Creator of the Bible, the Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator, Initiator, Giver of all things, mm-hmm. and um, and His Word is our guide. Teaches us who He is, who we are, what the world is, what His purpose and mission and ends are in the world. 
and how we're to join him on it. Answers the question, what's wrong with us? Um, what's happened? How's it get fixed? It answers all those questions. And, and, and so therefore, to have a comprehensive Christian worldview, we have to have the Bible downloaded, our eyes on the world, our eyes on the Lord, our eyes on each other. And so things like competition are not irrelevant. They matter. And, and so I'm glad this young man asked this question because it, it is uh, very important. And so I, I kick this off by reading a scripture um, that I think I always go back to when I think competition because yeah. in a household raising all boys, um, competition's a reality. It's innate in boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's innate in girls. It just manifests differently. Uh, and the question isn't, um, is competition legitimate? The question is, what do you do with competition, really? Mm-hmm. And here's what Paul says. Now, he's not talking about competition, um, but he does use competition as an illustration uh, of how we are to go about what he is talking about. And so it's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, that's beautiful. Because Paul's talking about 1 Corinthians 9. He's talking about living the life of following Jesus. And yeah. he pulls illustratively off the world of sports. Which, if you love sports, you got to love the fact that sports make their way into the Bible. Right. That's awesome. Um, and the fact that uh, particularly where Paul is writing to and, and the world of the missionary journeys of Paul is the world of the Olympics. Yeah. And so his illustration on how to fight against sin, fight against sinful tendencies, to run the race of following Jesus and, and sowing to the, the things of eternal life. He uses the illustration of running and boxing, and I think it's beautiful. So what's interesting here is I see uh, I see some things that, that he pulls out here. I think, number one, I think Paul is saying, well, I'll, I'll say one, two, and three for the three things, but just as a heading over that, I, I think it's imperative to note here that Paul is framing the Christian life as a competition. Um, because in this instance right here, and this is my my three observations of this scripture, competition has arenas. Competition takes place somewhere. Um, and so Paul using competition as illustrative of living a life of following Jesus, first place is, the first thing is competition is against or with ourselves. Because he's talking about himself. I don't box as one beating the air. Like I'm not just wildly throwing punches, but I'm disciplining my body. Like I'm, I'm focusing this hard attention on disciplining myself so that when I preach that I'm not a hypocrite and I don't, I'm not disqualified because I'm not doing what I say. So I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this my mind, my thoughts, my body, and how I work out those thoughts in my body, my, what my eyes look at, what my hands do, where my feet take me. And I'm competing with myself to make sure I'm not disqualified. And so for him right here, this was massive. Paul was, Paul was saying he is competing against himself. I'm competing to win a prize that's imperishable. And so therefore, I'm not 
running with no purpose, and I'm not beating the air. I am actually running toward a direction, and I'm seeing that I keep this thing in check. So he's really competing with himself because what's interesting here is, is Paul will say this in other places, it's easy to get off target. It's easy to walk in a manner not worthy of the Lord. And so the call he always puts out to people is repent, stop doing that, turn and come back, do these things, not these things. So, so for him, there's a competition against, against himself to make sure um, he's wrestling with sinful tendencies. And he will talk about in the book of Galatians, like the, the flesh versus the spirit. And the spirit is growing and taking over the flesh, but it's a process of growth and it's intentional. Like you never, holiness is never passive. It's always actively pursued. Um, it's innate for us to sin, and that's what he's fighting against. So he's not aimlessly doing anything. So I think there's a competition with himself. So competition first with myself, and, and I think you see this. Uh, I think you see this in sports. Like unless a young man, young woman, um, overcomes a desire to stay in bed, overcomes a desire to eat the wrong things, overcomes a desire to not drink water, um, and compete on the inside they're not going to physically be ready to compete on the outside right. unless they overcome the mental barrier that says, I can't do this. And mentally get themselves in a place where not only can I, I am, they're never going to make it in competition, um, particularly at past certain levels. And so you got to compete with yourself. It all starts, starts on the inside. Second thing I see here is there's a competition with or against others, and I would say seen and unseen. And Paul's going to talk about in his other letters, and particularly in Corinthians, um, they're competing against um, dark forces that uh, are coming against them. And he's going to tell them, we have the mind of Christ. We have to exercise that. Um, we have people inside who are not doing the right things. In fact, some of these over here are taking the Lord's Supper so irreverently that many are sick and dying. we got to deal with that. He's going to say in chapter 5, we got this situation. There's, there's some sexual problems here, and, and we are to set them outside to be handed over to Satan. There's be outside the physical territory of the claimed people and space of the kingdom of God. You set them out because that's not acceptable. And so, and so I hate to frame that as competition, but, but there's a sense in which we are competing for ground against dark forces and those who are people of the dark forces. Jesus told this in a parable, the weed, uh, the weeds and the wheat, or the wheat and the tares, depending on your translation. Um, and, and so there's an enemy sowing weeds um, and, and, and how we approach that field and being cultivated and trusting the Lord to deal with that. So, so there's, there's a seen and unseen forces that we're competing against mm -hmm. for, for souls, for systems. And, and, and then that, and I just said it, the third was is against or with systems. Um, the truth of the matter is we're going to see this. We're studying through Exodus right now. And, and the kingdom of God confronting the system of the dark forces that are holding Israel in slavery. Moses is called to confront that by going and telling Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses has to figure out how to get two million people out of Egypt into the promised land. That's a systemic challenge. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, what are we taking? Well, everything the Egyptians give us because you're going to ask them for it and they're going to give it to them. And, oh, by the way, you got to walk them out. And, oh, by the way, you're going to pass through desert. And, oh, by the way, we got to eat. Oh, by the way, we got to drink water. And, oh, by the way, they're going to be enemies on the way. 
And who's going first? Who's going last? What do we do with all our possessions? What about tents? A whole bunch of parents just resonated with that of like, I deal with that trying to get my three kids out the door every yeah. morning. Yeah. It's a competition. And truthfully, that's a great, that's, that's actually fantastic because transitions are, you know, as a parent, transitions are where all the chaos happens. Right. And it's a competition against transitions. How can you best prepare for that coming transition that happens at 715 or whenever your transition happens from, from the comfort of breakfast to out the door and in the car or on the bus, however you do that. That's where all the crap happens. Right. And so it starts being how can on the night before I prepare well enough to make that as smooth as I possible. That is a competition. That's the ultimate competition against ourselves, against our kids, against time, against dark, against light, against schedules. It, it, dang, it's a competition. And so I, I think ourselves, others, and systems are the areas that, that Paul is talking about because he's talking about running, running and boxing to discipline himself inside a world system that he's fighting against for the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and living inside of. And so and so those three things to me become very evident in the scriptures is there's a competition with myself, with others, and with systems. And and so I, I think I think it's massive that we think and I know I know the question probably is related around, man, I'm I love football or I love sports and I I want to get after people. I'm okay, great. That's awesome. But I think you have to frame that first and foremost in the most ultimate way the Bible does it. And this, there's a real competition happening in the world around us. And and then that can work out into recreation. Because right. recreation isn't bad. Recreation is good. But if you don't if we don't frame competition the way God frames it, then when we get into competition, that's when we get into the funky questions of Christians. Like I know you guys had a softball game last night and unfortunately y'all lost what, twenty eight to nothing in four innings? I just just dogged y'all on the you podcast. Totally just did that. <laughs> sharks and minners went down last night. <laughs> the shock sharks and minners went down. But what happens in, in church league softball and and church league basketball, what happens with Christians not playing church league anything, they're just competing and stuff. They forget the root of the competition is about the kingdom of God, the advance of of Jesus' name among all nations, and then they turn competition into a flesh show of advancement of me, which is when they start cutting corners, foul language. Because, you, man, you can knock somebody's head off in a football game and never have to drop the F-bomb. It's possible. Yeah. And it's perfectly okay as long as you stay within the, the rules of the game. You earhole somebody and cause a fumble, win. Do it, but in doing so, you don't have to to have the desire to cripple the person you're hitting, or to release a string of obscenities as you do it or after you do it. And gloating does that make sense? Right. But but those things happen because the core isn't in place. What is this competition ultimately about? It's about the advancement of the kingdom of God against dark forces and systems created by dark forces that hold people captive. And so Paul says, man, we're running this race, y'all, and we got to get after it. It's like runners, they run they run to win. Boxers are boxing to win. And so therefore, when we live this life, let's live it on purpose. Let's compete. Let's get it the internal down. Let's recognize that we're fighting systems and sometimes others that are against us. And, and, let's, and let's get after the competition. So those are my thoughts on 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Yeah, I, I think running and boxing are great examples there. I think they fit really perfectly because you mm-hmm. think about running, and this definitely talks about competition with yourself. Yeah. But, you're, I mean, you're racing against other people. Yeah. But you can't just go, I mean, unless you're running a 100-yard dash, you know, yeah. Daniel Jolly rocking that 10-second mm-hmm. 100-meter dash. 
Or ten five. Ten five. Yeah. Ten second will be close to a world class. Ten five is pretty good. In, Very it, good. It, it still starts with ten seconds. Yeah, so right? I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. That's right. But I mean, right. like that, you're going wide open. But if you're running a again, 10K or marathon, yeah. the, you, you're you going to burn yourself out. So there's this, there's a competition, but it doesn't mean you're going all out all the time. There's yeah. discipline mm-hmm. before, there's discipline during, but then there's also like, you know, people setting different paces. So I got to stay, yeah. you know, there's a lot of strategy involved. And boxing's kind of similar. You can't just come out swinging and swinging and swinging. There's, you right. know, I've got to play defense. I've got to be, you know, I've got to be able to move around and not get hit. Right. I've got to be able to take hits, but I need to take them in the right places so yeah. I don't get knocked out. So there's a lot of those things too. And I think all that to say, coming down to a competition, like you said, it's inevitable for us, for people in general. Like it's just, right. I think it's just innate and within us. But it's a heart issue, and we right. talk about it from a biblical worldview. It's not wrong to compete, but how we compete should be shaped by that. Mm. Um, and you know, there's like, I don't I don't think biblical values and views are incompatible with competition. I think there's right. in fact I think that they can work harmoniously together. Right. Even though I feel like sometimes competition is a bit of a contentious subject when it comes to Christians. Right. Because um, it's like oh you know he just win at all costs, and I'm like well that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to win at all costs because they played hard. Yeah, because they gave it all they got. Right, and so kind of, so there can be some gray area in there. And and for me, this is an important topic. I played sports my whole life. Yeah, but to me, it would be more sinful not to compete because I feel like yeah, Lord gift, gifted me talents right. in athletics, not as much at the moment. When I now that I've hit forty and you know <laughs> many pounds ago, I was much more talented. Uh, my goal was just not to get hurt <laughs> to be able to get up the next day. Yeah. That's that was many of our goal last night because you know we've got a, quite a, a range of ages there. Yeah, uh, shout out to the forties uh, and above uh, <laughs> softball team. Yeah, but you know it was it was a huge part of who I was in high school and in college, um, not just for school athletics, but then intramurals or rec league teams, all those things. And so, um, what I realized though was. Also, part of that was pride, and that became mm. a huge part of who I was as well. Right, and it was not something easily seen right. until I found out people who I became good friends with later couldn't stand me when they first met me. Yeah, you know, and mm. and I was never like I was I was never mm. one who was big at like taunting. I wasn't really one. I wasn't one who cheated. I wasn't one to do those things. But I was clearly giving off an arrogance about things, and so yeah. having to rein that in. That's where kind of landing on the heart issue comes in as a believer. Like if you don't, if you don't have that set of values, then who cares? Right. I'm right. Gonna be, and I think there, I think you could have a sense of pride and yeah. accomplishment. Yeah. But still while seeking to give the Lord the glory. Yeah. So it's kind of balanced. How do I balance that? I'm not pursuing self gratification. Yeah. I'm not pursuing self um, raising and those yeah. kind of things, but there's going to be part of that yeah. uh, mixed into competition. And we have to learn how to compete in a way that's honoring to God and others, learning how to practice humility. Uh, and I've, I've learned many lessons. I'm not saying I'm perfect at that, but, you know, I, yeah. we came off with smiles last night and yeah. having fun and, you know. Had a good time. You know, it's yeah. interesting as as I think the competition with ourselves really gets down in the heart of, of, of some of what you're saying there because um, we compete with ourselves, particularly if we have a Christian worldview. We're coming at this because you automatically you can start thinking about what about combat sports? It's okay to competing what if you're an mma guy and you get into ufc and you're a christian like is it okay to break somebody's jaw in the name of jesus well okay that's a complicated question the aim is not to break someone's jaw the aim is to win and do so within the rules um and there are rules that that 
are provided for safety, whether it's boxing, MMA, whatever it happens to be. If you're a BJJ person and you're just rolling, you can submit somebody. You can do that without the intent of of, of harming someone right. permanently. If you're in a combat sport, you're going to get a bloody nose. You're going to lose teeth along the way. You're, you're going to have cauliflower ear. That's just part of the cost of being involved in those sports. But, but if you're competing with yourself, you're competing to say, like, because our sinful tendency would be to, particularly when anger rises and we're not in control of ourselves, to hurt someone as opposed to staying in control of yourself, staying within the bounds of the sport and competing as hard as you can within those bounds and knowing where that line is and stopping at that line. And you can stop at that line and still win. Right. Does that make sense? And I think what people want to want to do is like they want to have this sense of unchecked anger. Well, no, there's no such thing for the Christian as unchecked anger. Our anger has to be righteous. Yeah. And and in fact, only a fool gives full vent to his anger, the proverb says. So staying in control of oneself and still, though, competing at a high level without anger pushing it, that that's a competing against yourself issue. So start there. Get the best out of yourself without doing it in rage. Right. And you talking about you talk about hard competition. Start there. Yeah. Like, get, like crush your flesh to the place that you get a hundred percent out of yourself the best that's possible without rage. There's your competition. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. so it's it, it yeah. And so that's that's a massive component of it. A hundred percent. And and I think what complicates that is we live in a world where losing is condemned. Yeah. And and we've we've gotten to this place, especially in sports, but even in business and other things where like, you know, well let's talk about sports for a minute. We when you hear people talk about ranking athletes or like who's the goat, yeah. we do that by championships. Yeah. Even in team sports, which I I never understood that. Right. Like, you know, we don't we don't rank offensive linemen by championships, right. only the quarterbacks. Right. right. And I get that that's the most important position on the field. I think everyone agrees with that. Right. But that's you know <laughs> Arguing, obviously, I'm a Falcons fan. I'm a big Matt Ryan fan. Arguing that Matt Ryan is not a Hall of Famer, and that Eli Manning is, when you look at their numbers, right. or Brad Johnson, who I'm a fan of and I'm a fan of his family. But like, you know, so you can't. Anyway, all that to say, just winning is you know right. praised, and then losing is condemned, and that I think that complicates things for Christians. Yeah, um, I think because it's you want to. I mean, even Paul says it, run in such a way so that you win the prize. So yeah. the goal, but the goal is not just winning. The goal is, I think, that pursuit of excellence within the realm of the rules, within the structure of whatever you're competing in. Right. Same thing in the business world. I mean, you're competing with someone else for a promotion. Yeah. You're not wishing ill on that person. You're, you shouldn't be going and, like, trying to spread rumors and lies about them. Right. You stack up your resume and you try to get as many sales as you can or whatever your job is. Absolutely. Make the best case for it. Yeah. And then whether you get the promotion or don't get the promotion, you handle it with grace Absolutely. and humility. And I think that's really what we're trying to land on today. Yeah. Um, it's in a sales world, competition's heavy, insurance, retail, marketing. Hey, churches compete. And they might try to tell you they don't, but that's 100% true. It's, they're competing for people. Yeah. You're competing for resources. You're competing sometimes in similar ministries mm-hmm. and impact of those ministries and where yeah. in, in your coverage area, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um it, it, the bottom line is even in this nonprofit world, um, and the, the, you're talking about competition, like it should not be a competition. It should the comp and, it, and this I have to go back to. I really, I, gosh, swear I think Paul's point. I, I think so much of his point is is self competition, managing yourself. But 
it's pursue pursue the end. Mm-hmm. Like runners run to win. Boxers box to win. And so even in the church world, don't compete with yourself to be obedient to Jesus. And what people end up doing is they end up competing for dollars. Like there are people who will not and partner with us because they see it as impacting their ability to fundraise. And I'm going, fundraising is not the point. That is not the point. The end is to have a forever home for every kid who needs it. Right. <laughs> and so whether you're able to keep your nonprofit afloat or not is irrelevant. And if it needs to go away, it might need to go away. Like if, if it's not doing the end, it's, it should go away. That makes, I mean, well, that, that feels awfully competitive, but we have to compete on the inside with ourselves and say, are we striving for the end or are we just striving to keep something alive? And so that's a self-competition. So even in the Christian world, you're right, we're competing. But I would say the competition should be how can we help each other get to seeing all nations worship Jesus, not uh, how can we get more people in our seats or how can we get more dollars in, in giving, right? And so I, I think even that the competition's off. So it starts with on the inside, do we have the right ends? Mm. And can we compete with ourselves to make sure we're staying on point? And and then that's where the supernatural component comes in. It's like that's where the Lord promises he makes up. And that's evident with our measurements too. Yeah, what that, do you measure? What are your yeah, metrics? What right? are your metrics? What is, is, are you basing your success off of number of people in the seats or yeah. conversions? And I that's use right. air quotes there. Or baptisms or yeah. people. how many people are volunteering? And none of those things are bad to track. No, not at all. But if, our, if, we're, if we're competing, whether we're going to call it that or not, to try to yeah, just to try to increase numbers in those areas, we we missed the boat. We missed the boat. And 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 even, and even like here's something for individuals. Listen to this. What are your metrics for yourself? How are you competing with yourself against? Like, what are you trying to do? Right. Do you have a sense of a personal mission? Can you state that? Do you know what that is? And then do you know what the tactics to getting there are? So start there. You can manage that stuff. Then I think. Then I think we're really poised for external competition. Well, in all the holy and healthy manners that it manifests itself. And there's there's a lot of really great things that come out of healthy competition too. I think we've yes. seen this through history. Um, one of the best things I love, obviously, a big Braves fan. So when you hear Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox talk about the, them being on the same team together. They competed in everything. They bet on a lot of things. I mean, they played golf together. Yeah. They competed. They had an award every year for, like, who had the highest batting average as a pitcher, who could get the most bunts down. They had, like, like a formula yeah. based off of, like, their hitting, which it wasn't even their focus. These are Hall of Fame pitchers. Right. Uh, and you you have, you have can hear these. They, they talk about it all the time. Yeah. It was that if, if one guy went out through it, eight innings of shutout ball, by golly, I want to try to match that, you know. And it I'm not be- going to be outdone by Tom Glavin, right? right? It was yeah, Maddox the guy's throwing 89. I'm not, you know, I can sure Smoltz is like what? So, um, but that's healthy competition. Like, yeah, but at the right. same time, what they were doing was they were spurring each other to be better. That's right. It wasn't comp. It wasn't. I want to be better than you, so I can mock you and make fun of you, and yeah. and you be less than me. It was. Right. I want to be the best I can be, and you're. Yeah. You're here making me do that. Yeah. That's should be the standard. It's not always the case, but we, I mean, the space program was built right. on competition. That's right. I went and saw Oppenheimer this summer. Like that was built on competition because mm-hmm. they were afraid that Russia or China or these other or you know whoever Germany, Japan that we're going to come up with these with this bomb first, yeah, and use it on them. And it was a it was a race. Yep. But it, obviously, you're talking about you know really really sensitive materials, so you can't just 
speed to get it done right. and then do it do a bad job and so right. uh, even in the business world great competition sparks innovation yes uh, if you've ever watched the movie jobs where it talks about steve jobs and apple and microsoft and you you see some of these things in the technological world of yeah you know competition's healthy fast food industry whatever mm-hmm. it is there's competition that can spark good things when it's done in the right way striving for personal excellence bleeds over into community and corporate and other manners of excellence, which causes us to try to want to keep up. Yeah. You know, if I'm pursuing to be the best version of myself, I can possibly be with myself as my own competitor. Hopefully others can see growth and yes. go, Hey, I, you know, maybe I can be better. Right. And that, that's a good, that's good competition. And I'm a big promoter of youth sports. I believe yeah. the, the lessons that can be learned, the physical benefits, uh, teamwork, building character, integrity, learning how to win gracefully, lose gracefully. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, I, I will always push for that. Now, there are a lot of parents that need to straight chill. <laughs> yes, they do. Your eight-year-old's not going pro, yeah. most likely, at least not yeah. next year. Yeah. So calm down. Yeah. <laughs> stop Stop. Yeah. Cursing out the umpire and yeah. a you know ten u baseball, but <laughs> anyway, <Relax. laughs> like we could that might be another topic for another day. Uh, I, I, w- I want to get to a question. So shout out to John Luke who helped. He was one of the ones submitted yep. the question, and I I just asked him. I'm like, hey, we're going to cover this. Help me understand kind of what was your like what 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 can we do? What can we answer that? So I want to propose one of the questions that that he kind of brought to me, and then get your um get your thoughts on it. So basically, the question from him was in regards to how do we how do we compete in a way where we're trying to beat someone or one up someone as a believer like when you're competing against someone and I think he was talking about particularly in the sports world mm-hmm. like if I'm going against another team and my goal is to beat them my goal is to win mm-hmm. and then balancing that with being a believer and having a biblical worldview where typically our goal is not in life is not to try to one up people right per se and so I, I mean I think it's a fair question. I think I think mm-hmm. for me, and I want to hear your thoughts, but it really comes down to just, and maybe this feels not overly profound, but it just comes down to giving your best and pursuing excellence in all we do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, it, I think the scenario that comes to mind instantly, there, there are ways I've seen this played out. The goals to win the games, take football, for example, goals to win the game. At the end of four quarters, you should have more points than the other team. Right. right. So – Within the rules of the game, compete as hard as you possibly can to win that game and have more points at the end of the game. Now let's say let's say it's the uh, let's say it's the fourth quarter, and uh, uh, it's forty nine to nothing, and the Christian school private Christian school teams up forty nine to nothing over um, Pepperell High School. Um, does the Christian school take their starters out or leave them in? What do you do? So, are, is 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 that is that winning or is that one upping at that point? Now, I I can go two ways here. All right, number one, they have a responsibility to compete also and keep up. If they can't, not my problem. So that's fair. So put the best team on the field and 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 what if it's game two of the season and my starters need to keep working a little bit because they're they're rusty. We didn't do. I mean, we might be at forty nine to nothing, but we're not playing good. And so we need more snaps because three games down the road, we we got a big foe. 
And so we need reps, and I'm leaving them in to get reps. Your job's to stop us. You can't stop us. Not my problem. I don't think that's unchristian. Right. <laughs> Just to be real honest with you, I, I think it's called, now, I'm not going to have my kids cheap-shotting you. Right. But we need reps. And so your job is to stop us. My job isn't to stop myself for you. Your job's to stop us. Now, some people might say that's not Christian. I would say it's just playing the game. But but then there's another side of that. So I would say I don't think that's one-upping. But Because now if we're in game eight in a 10-game schedule and I'm up 49 to nothing, I, my kids don't need reps anymore. So I'm probably pulling starters and I'm letting letting guys get reps that need reps for the next couple of years, right? Does that right. make sense? Yeah. But – but um, but there's another way you could go with that. Another way to go with that is go. You know what? I don't. In your heart, if your intent is to one up them by scoring more, then that becomes a heart issue. Like right. if your goal is to shame them and make them look bad, only you know that in your heart. But if it's not, you only know that too. Mm-hmm. And so what you have to do is you have to compete with yourself, and you have to say, if you're that coach, you have to say, what's my motivation here? And if your motivation is to shame that other team because you have an axe to grind from last year, then that becomes a sin issue at that point. Does that make sense? Right. And so it stops being healthy competition. It starts being a one-upsmanship. It starts being an axe grinding. It starts being vengeance. Yeah. And and then we know clearly what the answer is to that. So ultimately, it's a heart issue. Um, so you, you kind of have to know your own heart. So I, I, I think in that scenario, uh, pulling your starters uh, – could be a wise thing to do, and letting them keep playing could be a wise thing. Again, it depends on the heart, and and so you have to know, you have to know what you're doing and why you're doing it, and if your ends are holy and right and good, and if not, then compete against yourself and and wrestle your fl- flesh into submission, right, and obey the Lord. Does that make sense? It does, and I, you know, there's a there's a line there in sports. I think anybody who's ever coached will tell you there's a there's a yeah. line in. I don't know that it's clearly defined, but I think you know where it is, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And so I think there's a difference too. If it's you know, if it's forty nine to nothing and there's two minutes left and you're throwing a Hail Mary, like okay, that's <laughs> right. Like that's Bush League. Yeah. Right. Right. If it's forty nine to nothing in the second quarter, you don't need to be taking a knee every play either. That's like right. You, that's yeah, right. you can run the ball, you can still throw the ball, you like still play when the game. Yeah. You know, you there's I think that's where it's Starts to get in, in baseball. It's the same way. There, you know, they, sometimes I hate the unwritten rules of baseball. Sure, because um, you know, talk about like for instance, you know, back in the day, like you hit a home run, you just put your head down around the bases. It's a different game now. I don't think it's unchristian to flip the bat or watch the home run. Right. I think if you start pointing at the pitcher and like doing cutthroat sign or something <laughs> like you know, like I yeah. think there's a difference between showing another person up, yeah. taunting. And playing with emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, scoring. If you're up 49 nothing and you score a touchdown and y'all are doing coordinated end zone dances right. at that point, that feels a little bit yeah off. Sure. You know, but, like, scoring the winning touchdown or even the first touchdown and you're like, hey, we, we, we worked on this play all week and we executed it well. Yeah. Like, you should celebrate. And yeah. so, like, and it's hard to – it's hard to quantify a lot of this. It is. And, and so it's not the goal here is not to be vague for anyone out there going, well, no. you didn't define it. But I, again, I think it comes down to a heart issue. And like you said, it's, you know, like if your intent is like, man, I can't stand Steve Spurrier. Let's try to score another 16 touchdowns. Cause that's what he would do right. that, that you're, that's sure. sinful. Like, sure. cause then, then you're, it's not about competing anymore. It's not about winning the game. It's not about right. playing your best within the rules. It's yeah. about something else. It's about something else. And, and I think I think also we're having the privilege of talking about recreational events right. as opposed to ethics applied to 
what ultimately matters. Um, again, not that recreation is irrelevant. I think recreation is good for us, but recreation in regard to sports themselves are very far down the line of what ultimately matters in life. That makes sense. Yeah. And so when we get that far down the line of, of human activity, um, it's kind of fun to talk about those lines and games. But ultimately, I think it begins to take the root of what competing is a long way out of its intended purpose. Right. And so, it, and, and for me to say that's a big deal because I like sports. Yeah. And so I love to say sports are a means of holiness and righteousness and seeking the Lord. Maybe, maybe not. Um, ultimately, they're a privilege. Um, ultimately, they are um, something that only a few in the world get to do with any manner of having this discussion because the station in life they're in doesn't allow them to do it this way. And so when we're talking about competition, I think before we can even get to application that far down the line in recreational activity, we have to sew up what competition means from God's perspective on, and I think again, it starts with ourself. Yeah. I, I beat this thing right here to bring it under control so that if I do get the privilege to play in a church league softball game because we have the economy and comfort and ease of life around us to do it. I want to own this so well that we don't have to have a discussion about crossing some line, yeah. about you know spitting my Copenhagen on some guy's cleats as I rounded second because he gave me the finger, you know, because right. I hit my second home run. I'm like, really? And and by the way, that, that's the kind of stuff that happens in in church league softball. Right. And so then we talk about this competition. I'm like, that is so far down the line of what matters. And so ultimately, like, if we, we, we own this. I beat my body, I discipline it, and I bring it under control so that I'm not disqualified. We compete there, then down the line, all that stuff begins to take care of itself because ultimately what will happen when we bring this under control, Paul talks about this in Romans, uh, uh, Romans 8. Um, I put a sword to my flesh, and I keep putting a sword in my flesh lest it come alive and kill me. Like that's that's the thing that Paul says. Like you you got to keep doing this. Like if you don't discipline yourself, your flesh will come alive and swallow you up. And that's where you get these illustrations of you know you feed you, you what you feed gets stronger. So you feed to the spirit, you sow to the spirit, so that you can control this your mind, your thinking, then your then your physical uh, body that is controlled by the immaterial part of you. When you rule that well, then competition in Comfort things uh, becomes very simple, and because you can recognize the heart issue and you can explain that. Yeah. Now, I'll say this: that doesn't mean everybody's going to fully understand you. There's no promise or guarantee that people understand your heart. Right. You can articulate it, but there's no promise people are going to get all that. But what you got to do is stand before the Lord and before those who know you best, and 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 them knowing you know your self competition's in check. And when that's in check. Um, all that external stuff begins to take care of itself. I really do believe that. Because I would say my number one competition now at the age of 50 is myself. Yeah. It is. Like, I am my own worst enemy and I'm my own worst ally, both at the same time. And and daily managing my mind is the hardest competition I have ever engaged in. It is exhausting to manage my thought life. Yeah. And so, and so to some degree, man, I'm at that age of life. They're like, man... It feels very 
childish to talk about sports sometimes, and I don't think it is. I'm just I'm just sure. because it's like, man, I I wish I wish that's all I had to compete in today because my mind is going to assault me today. I'll be overly harsh on myself when I shouldn't be, and I'll be too lax on myself when I need to be harsher. And balancing that is brutal. Right. <laughs> you know, and so um, I've become more self-aware, and sanctification becomes more real because the end is in sight for me. Like, I'm in the third quarter of life, and it, by God, it kind of matters. You're you're approaching halftime. Yeah. You're, you're getting to halftime. It's like, dang. <laughs> it feels a little bit later this morning than <laughs> halftime. But, but, but it's no, true. Yeah, it I think true. Our, our phase in life, where we are in life also colors how we see competition. When you're in your 20s, you're all concerned about, man, can I do MMA? Can I break somebody's nose in the name of Jesus? <laughs> it's like... I don't know, but when you get fifty and you start looking at man, I've got, I got less time on this earth than I've already burned. You start going, I better get this in check right here. Yeah, and that's why that's why for me when I looked at that First Corinthians nine passage, and I'm not poo pooing. I, I I love the fact that we're talking competition. I think that's vital, but I also think you have to frame it rightly in in its correct place, and its place is not a centerpiece. Right. It's a periphery that comes off of what God says competition is and, and, and where we are to primarily compete. And, and I'll just say this at the end of the day, having three sons who've come out and all of them played sports, uh, it, borderline all of it was irrelevant. Just to be very, very honest, it was all irrelevant. And to some degree, a lot of it was a waste of time. There are other things I wish we had competed in, and that was them competing against themselves. It did great stuff, man. They learned great life lessons, and I'm grateful for that. But, boy, it sure did insert a lot of things I wish it didn't get inserted to. Mm-hmm. So um, sports are awesome, and I love competing in sports, but, man, they're not all they're cracked up to be either. Yeah. And and if you lose sight of the heart of what com- competing should be, it's definitely not worthwhile. Right, and right. And it's better to quit than to continue pursuing competition in the wrong light. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So 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 that when we if we do get those core things down, then when we can, we can do competition in sports really well. Right. And, and then it translates better to the mm-hmm. rest of your life as well. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. I think that one of the reasons I hate politics so much in the competition of mm-hmm. political campaigns is they're in maybe not entirely but mostly built on the tearing down of the opponent. Yeah. And then, and then we're like, Oh, we, then we want them to like, just lose gracefully. And I'm like, (laughs) my favorite was when some, you know, you got, and you got plenty of people who either claim to be Christians or might be. And I'm just, I I think I'm like, how do you, how do you pursue that position? Right. And do it in a way above reproach rather than let me, let me come out with all these commercials that do nothing but try to mm. expose my enemy. Right. And they're rarely true. Right. At, at best, they're exaggerated. That's right. And that's so exactly right. Um, that's another thing for here today. I've got a couple, three quick scriptures and some takeaways, unless you've got. No, I'll do it. Uh, I, I did one, one more thing yeah, I'll say. I, I think it's fascinating that sports guys, once they start transitioning to the last half of life, like Chipper Jones, um, I love hearing these guys talk about coming coming out really in dog and travel ball kind of stuff, right? But, and year round playing the same sport because what they even James Andrews, the the famous uh, surgeon who does Tommy John stuff and 
replace his knees. These guys um, are talking about the necessity of rest and switching up sports particularly so that other parts of your body get work and you develop more physically. And so what I find interesting is that competition out of bounds has driven people to put their kids in stuff that ends up hurting their kids and wears them out. I've, I've seen this actually happen. I see it happen and I've seen it happen up close and personal with friends of, of, um, of my sons, uh, their family had them playing a particular sport since they were knee high to a grasshopper all the way through high school. Cause they wanted them to play in college. And when they, they got what they wanted, man. And then the kid hated it because they're like, I'm so sick of it. I don't ever want to do it again. Right. And so what competition ends up doing is hurting our bodies, hurting our minds and making us hate the one thing we thought we were investing in. And so, and so it's vital. It's vital that, that we think ahead to those last stages of life and make decisions in your 20s based on the wisdom of people who are in their 50s who are telling you, hey, there's more important things yeah. to compete in. And you get those things down, and then you're going to be good. Yeah. When Larry Wayne's telling you, don't do this, you probably ought to listen. He's in the Hall of Fame. Right. Absolutely. Anyway. Poor Larry a crown. <laughs> That's just the exact thing in my head. <laughs> if anybody wants, they're doing that broadcast again. August next, 23rd. Ter- yeah, that's going to be great. That's going to be awesome. That's classic. <laughs> um, so real quick, what does the Bible say about this? And then I'll get to my takeaway. You mentioned the First Corinthians 9 when I read um, I, I, I think I took three themes out of these three scriptures. So the first one theme is really about pursuing excellence. Colossians 3.17, mm-hmm. whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mm-hmm. Not directly about competition, but just in anything in life, and competition falls under that. Amen. We are to just do the best we can in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Second Timothy two five: An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Mm-hmm. There's that integrity piece. Yes, sir. Uh, if you're not going to compete within the rules, you're out of bounds. That's <laughs> right. The, pun not intended there, but it works. <laughs> um, James four six is all about humility, he, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Mm. And so, while we are pers- to pursue running in such a way that we win the prize, pursue winning. Yeah, God opposes the proud. Yeah, so we, that's right. We, we have to do that gracefully, and that leads into my three mm. quick takeaways. For us today, number one, as Christians, we are free to compete. We can do so without compromising our integrity or our values. When we win, we do so with grace and humility. And when we lose, we also do that with grace and humility. Mm. Number two, strive to be the best at whatever you do. Your talent, skills, gifts, they're all from the Lord. So don't bury them. And, and certainly bring up the parable of talents there. Right. Like if you're given gifts, use them. And if those gifts are usable in the competition world, don't. Don't put them down. It's not that competition can't be used there. But pursue excellence, but honor and glorify God the whole way, and then thank him regularly. Mm. And then number three, remember who you represent when competing, whether it be sports, for a job, with a family member, or spouse. I mean, how many times do we compete with our spouse in an argument trying to win that, realizing, yeah, I shouldn't have said that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Especially for us men, it's just in our DNA. We're going to, even when we win, we lose. Uh, which you don't win often. Uh, but anyway, any in any way, remember who you represent. Be cautious how you are seen and heard, and do not hurt your witness by the way you compete. And if competition becomes a vessel for you to dilute your witness or damage yeah. it, blot it out. Absolutely. Get rid of it. Absolutely. That's solid, man. The only thing I will end on is say, put a knife in your flesh. Competition is great until competition starts ruining everything. So manage yourself, uh, discipline your body, lest you be disqualified. 
and uh, there are great things worth competing over and then ungreat things worth not competing over. 100%. So, guys, we appreciate you listening to Theology in the Dirt. What a joy to come to a air-conditioned building with cool lighting, cool equipment, and to be able to talk about competition. What a great privilege the Lord has given us, and yeah. it matters. And so we hope you believe it matters. One of my friends uh, and compadres and uh, teaching biblical worldview used to talk about how do we brush our teeth Christianly and so I think that's a great question so we believe that the Christian worldview is comprehensive and that uh, God's word extends to all areas of life there's no place in creation over which the Lord Jesus doesn't say mine and according to Abraham Kuyper and I believe that and so that includes competition so what a pleasure it is to be able to talk about that so we hope that helps you and aids you in your sanctification today we hope that Theology in the Dirt helps you and aids you in your sanctification all across the topics we talk about so if there's something you want us to talk about send it to us at an email theologyandirt at gmail.com if you want to support us there's links on the stuff all there down there you can see that you can support us thanks to our supporters who do that thanks for those who listen share it give us a five star rating and uh, we'll take whatever the Lord gives y'all have a great day see you next time out